You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, where I go to fulfill my fantasy. Football desires with expert opinions, advice, and analysis that you can't find anywhere else. Welcome to our 16th episode. Burke will be not joining us today. He's busy filming hand signals of the Cincinnati Bengals sideline for their practice today. So he will not be here and I will be taking over the show. So let's get started. Let's get right into our first GOAT. It's uh, Jameis Winston who had an amazing game against the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, he was 40 or 33 for 45, 456 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he did have the three interceptions, but, you know, it is Jameis Winston, and uh, interceptions and fumbles are, are part of the, the deal. And uh, he's one of those guys that uh, he's going to turn the ball over, but uh, lately... Uh, definitely, he's been making up for it by going for a ton of yards and touchdowns. So he he's definitely a must-play at this point. And uh, especially to do that to Indianapolis, who uh, is middle of the road. Usually, you know, you expect that from Winston on his great matchups. But uh, he's doing this now against some not-so-great matchups. And, uh, yeah, you, you definitely need to be playing him. Ryan Tannehill is our second GOAT. He doesn't throw a, the ball a ton, but he's really effective with uh, how much he does throw it. I mean, he's 21 for 27, 391 yards with three touchdowns. He had the one interception. Um, that was helped a lot by the 91-yard touchdown that he threw. But uh, Ryan Tannehill has been one of the best quarterbacks the last, man, five weeks. Uh, I would say he's... He might be number two behind Lamar Jackson. So Tannehill's another person you need to be playing and paying attention to. And he's just so effective. And long gone are the days of Marcus Mariota and the struggling Tennessee Titans offense because it's crazy that they do that quarterback change and then all of a sudden the Titans offense is, is electric. The next GOAT that we have is Jimmy Garoppolo against the New Orleans Saints. I didn't predict this at all, actually. I expected a low-scoring defensive game, and it was the complete opposite of that. So uh, Chalk went up to being completely wrong on the uh, how the game flow would be on this. But it was uh, but Garoppolo was 26 for 35, 349 yards, threw for four touchdowns, had the one interception, but uh, when you throw for four touchdowns, that interception can be forgiven. And then you have on the other side of the ball with Drew Brees, who was just, it was amazing what Drew Brees was able to do. He was 29 for 40, 349 yards, and he had five touchdowns. And on top of that, he had a rushing touchdown. So, yeah, it it was a thing of beauty. And, it, again, you, you, you didn't expect it. You thought it was going to be a defensive game, and there goes Drew Brees getting six touchdowns against the 49ers defense, who's been pretty dominant. But uh, it feels the last couple games that the 49ers defense has been slipping a little bit and uh, not as 
efficient as they have been. They're still a top defense, but uh, it's definitely uh, tapered off a little bit. Then the very last quarterback on the GOATs, I'm throwing Drew Locke in there because the cool thing about it is he went into Houston. So Houston's a pretty bad pass defense, but the the fact that he went to a visiting stadium as a rookie, second start he's had ever, and he was, man, 22 for 27, 309 yards and three touchdowns. He did have the one interception, but uh, he looked really good, and I'm actually excited for him this week against Kansas City, not thinking that Denver can beat Kansas City, but he's from the Missouri area, and he's going to be playing in front of friends and family, and the Chiefs aren't necessarily great at defense, so this could be another huge game for Drew Locke and, and would be worth maybe even a start. Moving on to our running back guilt of the week. The very first one is Joe Mixon against Cleveland. He had 23 carries, 146 yards, a touchdown, and man, he almost had seven yards per carry, and Joe Mixon has really turned it around. He looked like early on in the beginning of the season that he was going to be a bust this year, and that has not been the case at all, and he's actually been quite effective. Now, I don't like his matchup this week against New England since they're one of the top teams at stopping the rush, but overall... Uh, you really got to like Mixon and, and what he's been doing. 146 yards is nothing to sneeze at. So uh, he's our number one GOAT. Um, next in the list is Aaron Jones against Washington. Aaron Jones has been a big disappointment these probably this last month of this uh, NFL season. And I don't know what they did uh, for the Packers offense, but he really came on strong and not not only that but he was also targeted again in the passing game which is really important for Aaron Jones um, but he had 16 rushes for 134 yards and, and a touchdown and to get 100, 134 yards on 16 carries is just outrageous and he definitely is I, I think moving forward is someone to look at again I think the Packers realized that they were taking him out of the game plan. They weren't their offense wasn't going as strong, and so they put him back in. On the other side of the Cleveland Cincinnati game, we have Nick Chubb. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm not a huge fan of how Nick Chubb was used. I mean, he's one of those guys I'll get zero, one, two, and then bam, you know, he got that fifty seven yard run. Uh, he had 15 carries for 106 yards, and that Kareem Hunt com coming back has really kind of carved carved into his uh, carries a little bit, and uh, he's not as safe as a play as what he was early on in the season. So uh, he's still a talent, still looks good when he's running the ball. He's just getting his op opportunities cut back a little bit, and. Uh, but he did have a good game against Cincinnati. I think the big issue with him is he just didn't score any touchdowns. And, uh, you know, as a fantasy owner, that's the big thing of what you're, you're wanting from your uh, when you start somebody. 
especially with the prime matchup that uh, Nick Chubb had. Derrick Henry is next on our list. He uh, played Oakland, the Tennessee Titans running back. 18 carries, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry is doing Derrick Henry things, and I, I don't see that dropping off either. He is going to have great matchups coming up. Well, he's going to be playing Houston, and it's a great matchup. And then he's going to be playing Houston again on Week 17, which is disappointing in the fact that most fantasy football seasons will be over. But regardless, you're starting Henry every week. He's a must-start. He he looks great. And, yeah, you need to be playing him. Uh, Austin Eckler is the next person on our list. He had only eight carries, but 101 yards. And he didn't score on the ground. But I think the big thing with... Austin Eckler was, he also had four catches for 112 yards, and he did score. He had an 84-yard reception, and you put that all together, and that's just one crazy day for him. I mean, you you thought with Aaron Jones' 68 yards receiving on top of his rushing yards, uh, Austin Eckler just, man, he he got 100 doing both, and... uh, Austin Eckler is such a weapon, and I think you're going to uh, next year see Melvin Gordon not be part of the Chargers anymore. He's going to sign somewhere else, and Eckler is going to be the man as well he should be because he looks like the better back right now. Now on to our receivers. Our very first receiver goat is Emmanuel Sanders. Had quite a day against New Orleans. Seven receptions, 157 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, he's kind of a scary play coming in just because he's been injured and you weren't sure if uh, how he's gonna how effective he's going to be coming back. And, you know, he didn't disappoint. He had the most yards of any receiver. And uh, the, the touchdown was huge. It was 75 yards. So he uh, definitely stepped up and... You had to feel good about the whole Niners offense in that game, um, even though uh, even though uh, you know there's so many pass options for Jimmy Garoppolo, and the Saints are a really good defense. So it was so surprising that it was that high scoring again. Darius Slayton is our next one. Giants at Philadelphia. Had five catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns. Had a 55-yard touchdown. And it doesn't matter if he's with Daniel Jones or Eli Manning. He can definitely get it done, and he has been getting it done. Uh, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate were both still in this game, and so you thought that might take away from Darius Slayton's targets. And it kind of did. I mean, only had five catches, but made the most of them, and I think he's a great play coming up against uh, Miami is the uh, next game. So you you got to be playing him. Um, A.J. Brown, Tennessee against Oakland. You knew he was set up to have a good game, but just because he's set up to have a good game, he still needs to follow through with that. And he did. He had 153 yards on five catches, 
two touchdowns, had a 91-yard touchdown. Just, uh, yeah, unbelievable day. And A.J. Brown is a beast, and he, he's, uh, you know, with the injuries on the Titans, he's really taken over as the main receiving threat there. And so you got to like A.J. Brown moving forward. And uh, I, I think he started him the rest of the year without any worries. And, uh, you know, he was kind of an iffy play the uh, most of the year. But now that it's towards the end of the, the season, he's uh, he's really stepping up, and, and you need to be playing him. Michael Thomas on the other side of the, the San Francisco-New Orleans game. Uh, playing against San Francisco, he just had an insane amount of catches, 11 catches for 134 yards and a touchdown. And with the 49ers and their pass defense, you weren't sure about Michael Thomas's day. You're actually kind of nervous about it because you thought it was a bad matchup. And it doesn't matter. He, You know, it was a losing effort still, but uh, 134 yards is, uh, and a touchdown is just a really great day for him. And then we'll round it out with DeAndre Hopkins. Seven catches, 120 yards, had a touchdown, and it, it's good to see DeAndre Hopkins coming back, and especially this was against uh, Denver, who, I mean, the way Denver came out and just exploded and took the huge lead, you knew it, they were going to have to pass a lot, and I think that contributed to DeAndre's having a uh, having a great day. But, um, yeah, he's uh, DeAndre Hopkins is, is, is doing pretty well these last couple of weeks, and uh, he's uh, he has a... Shaky matchup against the Titans, and I'm I'm not sure that he gets that production this week. But uh, man, that that game against Denver was just it, it. He was probably the lone bright spot for that Houston Texans offense for sure. Moving along to tight ends, we actually have some great tight end performances. A couple of them surprising. Uh, the first one, Tyler Higby. He had seven catches for 116 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, but the usage is there. And when Brandon Cooks isn't catching anything, you really got to be excited about Tyler Higby's uh, targets. And, and even moving forward, I mean, Seattle necessarily isn't a isn't great against the tight end, so that, you know it was it was a good matchup for him. But you know. He has a matchup against Dallas coming up, and, and that's a good matchup as well. So uh, with Gerald Everett being out, I think you need to be playing Tyler Higby uh, as much as you can. Noah Fant for Denver. Noah Fant really uh, passed that rookie wall, you know, was really inconsistent. Drew Locke is, you know, hitting Noah Fant, and he had four catches for 113 yards and a touchdown, had that long 48-yard reception. And Noah Fant's a, a big weapon to have, and especially with some of these games coming up where uh, they play defenses that are going to really shut down the receivers. I think Noah Fant's a good uh, option going forward. Zach Ertz is our next one. He, against the Giants, just, you know, especially that late fourth quarter catch at the end of the game. Um, uh, actually... <laughs> Uh, nine catches, ninety-one yards, two touchdowns. Zach Ertz is just, uh, man. He was another one where 
he was splitting targets with Dallas Goddard, and you weren't sure how he was going to do. And Zach Ertz, especially recently, is just just doing amazing. And he's a guy that needs to be in there every week. Top tight end, still proven to be a top tight end. And uh, if you have him in the playoffs, you're you're in good shape. Hayden Hurst is the next one. This one's kind of surprising. Uh, Mark Andrews is a good tight end. Um, and even, you know, Nick Boyle is also there. But he only had three catches, had 73 yards and the one touchdown against Buffalo. The touchdown was the biggest factor. And he was just making big plays. And he, he, he didn't get a lot of targets. And, and to be honest, he wouldn't be a guy that I would pick up uh, at all on the on the waiver wire this week. Uh, just one of those, you know, one type of games where he, you know, had a great game and you chalk it up to the him being open, Mark Andrews not being very effective, and actually got injured a little bit in that game. Uh, but again, I'm surprised it wasn't Nick Boyle getting those targets and it was Hayden Hurst. Jared Cook is the last tight end on the GOATs. And Jared Cook did get hurt. And he had two catches, 64 yards, two touchdowns. So about as effective as you can be. I mean, you get those two touchdowns and on only two catches, you're, you're really making those two catches count for something. And he was pulled out after that. But even then, he already had 18 points worth of fantasy football points for you. So although you're disappointed because it could have been a lot more, you can't be too uh, dissatisfied with uh, 18 points and uh, on two catches. Let's get right into our ghost of week 14. We're going to start out with, obviously, the quarterbacks. And Andy Dalton against the Cleveland Browns. Very disappointing day. You know, he was actually set up to have, you know, matchup-wise, to have a, a pretty good day. And instead, he was 22 for 38 for 262, uh, 262 yards, one interception. And, you know, they lost to Cleveland 27-19. And Andy Dalton was not a part of anything in this game. So it was really disappointing. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was actually a good play. He had a great matchup against the Jets. You thought he was going to really excel this week, and especially for the first week of the playoffs, if you were hurting a quarterback. He was one of those guys that you might have played to try to make a sneaky play with a quarterback with a good matchup. And he was not a good sneaky play. He was 21 for 37 for 245 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Sacked twice. Uh, just wasn't a good thing for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Very disappointing. And, you know, not something... Yard-wise, I, I think he was fine. Uh, just they weren't able to do anything with those yardage. And, again, fantasy football is such a touchdown league that it was... An underwhelming performance. Russell Wilson against Los Angeles Rams. Russell Wilson was like an MVP candidate. And these last three weeks has just 
not been the same. He, you know, he's dealing with some injuries, so that probably has something to do with it. But 22 for 36 for 245 yards, zero touchdowns. I mean, he, he basically was Ryan Fitzpatrick with one less attempt and one more completion. And that's, I mean, they were the same people. Uh, he got sacked five times, which was very unlike Russell Wilson. That's how you know that uh, injury is kind of affecting him because his mobility isn't uh, the same. And I think that's where you're starting to see that. Uh, I don't know. You're starting to see it uh, uh, affect him, uh, you know, in his week-to-week uh, ability to, to get the ball down the field. And uh, it makes the Seahawks a little more one-dimensional because the Seahawks don't have a lot of weapons. Russell Wilson was really making that chip sell. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, want to throw him in there. You know, he was some people's play of the week against Washington. You expected a big matchup, great things, especially after the week he's had before. 18 for 28, 195 yards, one touchdown. And that was it. And this was a really close game. Uh, Too close, actually, against Washington. And Aaron Rodgers has uh, proven once again that he... uh, is a very inconsistent quarterback. And, you know, we were talking about, oh, great matchups, he does great. But this kind of put uh, throws a wrench in that because he had a great matchup and he wasn't so great. So you should expect more from him uh, a little bit. And Aaron Rodgers is someone to watch too because the, the weather is going to start getting colder. And when that's the case... It could definitely affect the passing, and yeah, um, it, it's someone you definitely want to monitor week to week. Kyler Murray, I have him on here, just because, I mean, he had two touchdowns, but he had three interceptions, was sacked five times, and only had 194 yards, didn't do anything rushing the ball, and you know, Pittsburgh's turning into a pretty dominant defense. So, I mean, I'm sure you might have tried to stay away from that matchup. But, you know, Kyler Murray definitely didn't have the week that you would have wanted. Those three interceptions really kind of took away from those uh, two touchdown passes. Because, you know, three interceptions is basically a touchdown pass. So you're really looking at 194 yards and a touchdown. And uh, you would want a little bit more from that position. Baker Mayfield against Cincinnati. This was really disappointing. 11 for 24, 192 yards, no touchdowns, uh, two interceptions. And it was against Cincinnati, so you know a lot of people were playing him, really psyched about that matchup, going in saying, you know, yes, Baker Mayfield's going up against Cincinnati. He's going to kill it. I'm going to dominate my first week of the playoffs. And then he goes and lays a dud for you. So uh, if he's the reason why you're out of the playoffs, uh, you're, you're definitely not a fan of, of Baker Mayfield right now. Now on to our running back, Ghosts of the Week. And we'll start with Tevin Coleman. Three carries, six yards for the 49ers against the Saints. And, you know, it's that three-headed monster with Monster and 
Brita, and Tevin Coleman just is getting left behind a little bit. The lead back role is really going into Monster, and great if you have him, but if you have Tevin Coleman, you know, this game had to be disappointing being the first game into the playoffs. Although, you know, the Saints being so good against the run, even though it didn't look like they were good at anything in this game with it being such a shootout, you, you probably weren't uh, pretty high on that matchup coming in, um, but disappointing nonetheless. And then you got on the other side, Alvin Kamara, 13 carries, 25 yards against the 49ers. 49ers have a good defense, um, even though they didn't show it either uh, the other day. Um, but you got to be disappointed in Alvin Kamara lately. He just, uh, man, not not doing it for you. And especially with the playoffs starting, Alvin Kamara was your first-round draft pick. So you expected a lot of good things, uh, and his performance could have cost you in the playoffs, to be honest. So there's probably a lot of teams out of the playoffs right now because they started Alvin Kamara. Uh, Benny Snell, 16 carries, 41 yards against Cleveland. I added him on there because 41 yards, you know, if you score some touchdowns, it doesn't look so bad. But when you don't and you're supposed to be the lead back, um, you know, a lot of people probably probably went away from somebody else with the worst matchup and played Snell, thinking that uh, they were going to reap the, re the rewards for it. And then they didn't. So that could have definitely been a killer for some teams. Leonard Fournette, 15 carries, 50 yards against the Chargers. And Chargers are decent at stopping the run. I'm not going to lie, but Fournette was my start of the week. I just figured that they were going to shut down the pass completely and they were going to have to rely on Fournette. And that wasn't the case, and the Chargers did win by, you know, quite a bit. But they still kind of kept it away from Fournette. He only had 15 carries, and uh, uh, pro probably part of that was they were behind by so much that uh, they had to get away from the run a little bit. Uh, James White, six carries for 33 yards, and he only had five receptions for 27 yards. So total that, you know, is about 60 yards. And uh, against Kansas City, that was a prime matchup for James White for him to really excel. So you definitely had to be disappointed if you started James White with that matchup and it being the first week of the playoffs, needing to advance, doing whatever it takes, and you, you thought you were in pretty good shape with James White. But alas, you were not, and uh, it definitely could have made some fantasy team suffer for that. Wide receiver ghosts of the week, and it begins with Marquise Brown against Buffalo had three receptions, negative two yards. So, you know, some people are goose-egged. He was worse than goose-egged. He had three opportunities to be uh, better than goose-egged, and he had negative two yards. So really disappointing uh, game for Marquise Brown. And, I mean, I don't know why you would be playing him against Buffalo, but if you did for some reason... Uh, it, it doesn't feel good for you right now. Brandon Cooks against C uh, Seattle Seahawks. Now, this is a matchup that you probably, you know, looking at Seattle's pass defense, and you're like, man, this is a good matchup. I think this will be 
Cook's chance to break out a little bit. And he didn't. He got you zero catches for zero yards and was really not even a factor in this game at all. So, you know, it was a lot more to Higby and uh, Cup. And, and to be honest, Cup wasn't even used as much as normal. It, it, it was really uh, a, a package where they usually run with three receivers, and, and they didn't do that a lot in this game. So... Uh, Jamison Crowder, three catches, 29 yards against the Dolphins. I really like this matchup a lot, especially Crowder in the slot against the Dolphins. And, I mean, I wanted to play him no matter where he was at all situations. And, man, three catches for 29 yards is just not getting it done. Very disappointing for Jamison and for people that own uh, own Jamison. Uh, Cortland Sutton against the Texans, five catches, 34 yards, not ideal matchup for Cortland Sutton. Texans are actually decent against the receivers, but five catches for 34 yards is not good, and you have to be pretty disappointed if you uh, play Cortland Sutton. And then uh, right after that, we have Odell Beckham against the Bengals. Had a measly two catches for 39 yards. Odell Beckham needs to be better. He hasn't been. You know, this has been a pretty bad season for him up in Cleveland. Now there's rumors that he's once, you know, he wanted to be traded. He's not happy in Cleveland. And my issue with that is, well, when you're not producing and you're not on a good team, you're really limiting your, and on top of that, you're causing drama. You're really limiting your opportunities somewhere else. So, uh, Devontae Adams, man, he was my start of the week. And for him to get only four catches for 41 yards against Washington was very disappointing. And you, you wanted more from Devontae Adams. You did. And actually, you wanted more from Devontae Parker, who was almost on the list, but uh, was out with a concussion. So, don't like to put ghosts uh, on here due to injury, but man, the Devante brothers that I was so confident in this week uh, both kind of flamed out for us. Now on to our tight end ghosts of the week, starting off with Jason Witten. Five catches, 37 yards against the Bears, and you know... It's Jason Witten. He, he didn't get a touchdown, so it really hampered his production. He, he got five catches, and I think that's the most disappointing thing is, you know, being used as heavily as he was, um, only getting 37 yards is disappointing. Um, Jacob Hollister for the Ram, or sorry, for the Seahawks against the Rams. Four catches, 34 yards. Um, all the way around, just a really bad game for Seattle. And, you know, the receivers in general haven't been producing the last couple of weeks. 34 yards on four catches. You would have liked to see more. You definitely would have liked to see a touchdown. And it didn't happen. Which uh, goes on to my next person, Austin Hooper. Finally came back. You're really excited about that against the Panthers. And he gets two catches for 32 yards. 
So not what you wanted to see from Austin. And yeah, if you played him, you were very disappointed in, in that performance. But probably not as disappointed at, in that performance as you were as if you owned Mark Andrews. He had one catch for 14 yards against the Bills. Really, you know, Hayden Hurst was the one that uh, was uh, getting the yards and got the touchdown. Andrews was pretty quiet, and yeah, you had to be disappointed. Although the Bills are good at defending the tight end, um, again, I, I think some of those targets that went to Hurst, uh, you had to be disappointed that they weren't Andrews. Um, and then, you know, Andrews was a little banged up, so that definitely played a role too. Ryan Griffin against the Dolphins, uh, he did get hurt, so that had a lot to do with it. But one catch for eight yards, being the first week of the playoff season uh, for fantasy, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see a guy get hurt and then to leave with one catch in eight yards was disappointing. And then these next two, man, you were hearing from a lot of different places to start them. Uh, I was definitely saying to start them. They, I actually stuck my neck out and said, Vance McDonald will be a great play this week. You'll finally shine through. And he didn't. He got hurt. So, I mean, there's that. It doesn't make you feel any better that he got hurt. But uh, Vance McDonald had one catch for three yards. And, yeah, that's a killer for sure with such a great matchup. It actually probably helped the Cardinals not look so horrible against the tight end position. But if there's one thing that the, you know, the uh, Cardinals are horrible at, uh, the Steelers are just at horrible at getting the ball to their tight ends. So, uh, Mike Kosicki for the Dolphins, you know, one catch, six yards against the Jets. He was another one that was supposed to have a really big game, and so if you started him for the playoffs, you had to be disappointed uh, overall that uh, it didn't pan out the way you would have liked. So that's it for our ghosts, and uh, we will get right into what the pickups need to be for this week for your second week of the fantasy football playoffs. And uh, assuming that you got there, um, which if you've been listening to the show, you probably did. So we'll uh, get right to it. Yay! Let's get right into our pickups of the week. This is the part of the show that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, you're in your second week of the fantasy football playoffs, and you need some good waiver wire pickups to bring your team over the top. Or say you have injuries, um, which we'll get into. There was definitely a lot of injuries that happened, which is unfortunate, happening right before, uh, you know, it happened during the playoffs, but then also right before the playoffs. So um, we will start off with QBs, and I'm going to go with Eli Manning for the Giants. And the reason why I say that is he had a pretty fascinating game against the Philadelphia Eagles and you you know that Daniel Jones is still hurt he might play but again he might not play so with that the Giants are playing the Dolphins this week and Dolphins are a prime matchup for any quarterback so I don't care if it's you know, 
I don't care if it's Daniel Jones. I don't care if it's Eli Manning. Um, it's looking like it's going to be Eli Manning for another week. So you, you definitely, it definitely is a good matchup for, especially for the playoffs. And, uh, he has a lot of weapons around him. You know, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, uh, Golden Tate, Saquon Barkley. So there's, there's not a lot not to like. And so you really need to roll the dice with, uh, Eli Manning this week. And I'm giving you my stamp of approval for it, so uh, it'll be worth it. Trust me. David Blow, or Blau, or I still can't pronounce his name. I'll be pronouncing it wrong probably the rest of his life, or the rest of my life, because I'm probably a a lot older than him. Um, He's playing the Buccaneers, who are really bad at pass defense, and it really opens it up for him to have an amazing day against the Buccaneers. And David Blau is actually playing decent. I mean, he had a great Thanksgiving, and then, you know, last week, uh, nothing to write home about, but wasn't horrible. And, and now against the Buccaneers, he can have another big week. So it's worth uh, maybe plugging him in if you have a quarterback situation you're not comfortable with. Or, um, and... It's kind of funny because if you have a quarterback situation you're not com- comfortable with, uh, it could be that you have David Blau and you have to play him, so that's you're not comfortable with that. But uh, he has a good matchup, and uh, I, I think he he he's definitely worth. Uh, he I think he's definitely worth it, and uh, I I know he has a lot of uh, Marvin Jones is on IR, Marvin Hall went to IR. Uh, but he has a great rapport with Kenny Galladay, and uh, that's all that matters. I think that's all you'll need. So stick with David Blau. Running back, um, DeAndre Washington. It's looking like Josh Jacobs is going to play, but if you have Josh Jacobs especially, pick up DeAndre Washington. You want to come into the game knowing that you have – the running back for the Raiders, um, so you can play him. And it's an easy switch, so if Josh Jacobs ends up not playing, you can just plug in Washington, because I think DeAndre Washington will have uh, just as good of a game as Josh Jacobs in this one. And uh, with uh, Jalen Richard is obviously there too, so you know, are you worried about him getting some carries or... Uh, taking away some of the targets. I wouldn't worry about that. And the reason why I say that is because it definitely didn't affect him last week. And, you know, they're playing the Jaguars. And Jaguars have been horrible against the running back position lately. So who's ever is going to play for the Raiders, you need to be plugging them in there. So uh, Boston Scott for the Eagles. You need to be putting Boston Scott... Uh, on your radar, Miles Sanders got hurt, and Boston Scott looked pretty good. And so this could be going towards a, a timeshare situation until Jordan Howard gets back. And it doesn't even look like Jordan Howard might, you know, is coming back. He might not. And they're playing the Redskins this week, and it's a prime matchup for Sanders or for Boston Scott. So um, 
I, I think even if Miles Sanders gets the majority of the carries, uh, there's still room for Boston Scott to do his thing. He's he's a hard runner. Uh, he he is a I think a better rusher than Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is more versatile, but uh, Boston Scott's definitely worth an add, especially if you're hurting for that flex position. And then uh, the last one is Chris Thompson. You know, with Darius Geis going on IR, Chris Thompson, uh, Chris Thompson definitely comes into play. He's a good receiving back. He can be another weapon, especially since, you know, the Redskins receivers are dropping like flies as well. Trey Quinn has been hurt. Uh, Paul Richardson, all they have is McLaren, who if you only had one receiver, you'd want it to be him. But I think that uh, helps with Chris Thompson picking up the slack for uh, uh, Darius Geis. And there wasn't enough room for all three of them, but now that Geis is gone, there's definitely enough room for, for two. And uh, between him and Adrian Peterson, I think it's going to be uh, Peterson rushing the ball and uh, Chris Thompson getting those uh, receiving yards. Now on to the wide receiver position. We have a lot at the wide receiver position. Like we can be talking about wide receivers to pick up all day long. And the the first one I want to mention is Marcus Johnson um, for the Colts. I just think that, uh, yeah, he, he was the go the go to guy last week. I thought it was going to be Paris Campbell. He was my number one. Paris Campbell gets hurt, and. Marcus Johnson's now my number one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with all the injuries that they have, I think you also might want to look at uh, Dontrell Inman because I know that they just signed him. He's familiar with their system. He's been there before. Um, he could be a plug-and-play based off of what they have left over there. Uh, so uh, Marcus Johnson and, and Dontrell Inman are, are both definitely receivers that you can uh, – pick up and and Inman I obviously won't be playing but Marcus Johnson you might want to play him Uh, I think he uh, I think he can get you some production this week Uh, moving along the Eagles have absolutely no one at receiver anymore either Alshon Jeffrey looks like he'll be out for the rest of the year Um, JJR Seagull Whiteside is and Greg Ward are the two receivers that they're going to be throwing to Neither are owned at all, so, you know, that could be a situation where you go in and pick them up. They're playing the Redskins, so, yeah, you're probably going to see a lot of tight tight end uh, targets with Ertz and Goddard, but they need to throw it outside the hash marks, too, and uh, that's where I think Arcega Whiteside and uh, Warder uh, become decent options. And, and especially with uh, against that Redskin defense, uh, it's not that bad of a play. I mean, it's risky for, you know, you're in the playoffs, right? But uh, if, if your team's hurting and, and you need somebody, I don't think those are going to be bad plays. Um, moving along to the Falcons, injuries on the Falcons receiving core, I think the best one to pick up with the injuries is Alameed, um Alamide uh, Lucas for the Falcons. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I just know that he got a 93-yard touchdown, and uh, he's 
him and Christian Blake are the two receivers. Um, but I think Zacchaeus is the one that's going to be playing the spot that Ridley was at. So he'd be the first option to pick up, and uh, I think he'll get majority of those uh, targets that were going to Ridley um, over Blake at this point right now. So uh, definitely be my target. Uh, Bouchard, Perriman, and Justin Watson. Uh, I'm choosing both of those guys. I like them a lot, actually. I really like Justin Watson. I think he can have a huge game. He's actually reported to be starting for uh, Mike Evans now. And he had about 47 yards in the touchdown last game. So he's he's worth a pickup. Um, the Buccaneers, though, to their receivers. And that's pretty much their offense, uh, at least consistent offense. And outside of Damon Winston turning the ball over, I mean, he's chucking the ball and getting a lot of yards. So Perriman and Watson are going to be part of those yards. And, uh, they're going to get some touchdowns too. So uh, if you're in the playoffs, those are receiver positions or players that uh, you might want to consider in your flex or uh, third receiver um, at this point. They, they might not be a bad play. Dan, Danny Amendola, uh, I think he's a good pickup. The Lions uh, have lost Marvin Jones and Marvin Hall kind of talked about that with the uh, matchup. They're playing the Buccaneers, who are the worst at defending the pass, and they can't throw it to Kenny Galladay all day long. Uh, so David Blau, or Blow, or whatever his name is, uh, again, not going to pronounce it right, He uh, he's going to need another option, and I think it's going to be Danny Amendola. So, I think you can start him with confidence uh, for your playoff team. If, if you have a third receiver or, or flex that you need to, uh, some immediate help, throw in Dan, uh, Danny Amendola. Uh, Alex Erickson, I uh, put him in there because A.J. Green's not coming back. Auden Tate was put on IR. That leaves John Ross and Tyler Boyd and Alec Erickson is actually, I think, a more consistent receiver than John Ross. Uh, John Ross is going to be more of a big play guy, which is fine. That can just happen and be that way. But I think uh, a lot of those targets are going to go to Alex Erickson. I don't like him this week, however, and that's why he's kind of low on the list, uh, just because they're playing the Patriots. And, yeah, it's the Patriots. I mean, they're going to work at taking Tyler Boyd out of the game and, and trying to have... Uh, Erickson and Ross beat them, and I don't obviously think they can, and so I'm I'm going with uh, uh, I'm I'm probably not going with Alex Erickson against the Patriots, but uh, after that, you know, for the championship, who knows? And uh, if you're playing in fantasy football for like a points league and uh, or one of those uh, you know best record at the end of the season type deals, uh, he might not be a bad play for your team later on. Nelson Aguilar is my last receiver. I like Nelson Aguilar now that uh, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be out. Um, I know we mentioned Ward and our Sega Whiteside, but Aguilar is going to be in the slot, and 
Aguilar always seems to do better when Alshon Jeffrey's out, so he's worth keeping an eye on as well. Could be a decent pickup. So even though Nelson Aguilar is maddening um, to own and especially to play, because the times you're going to play him are the times he doesn't show up. It just seems to be the law of averages with him. Uh, tight ends. We'll move to tight ends. Uh, David Joku. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but he's playing the Cardinals, who are the worst team at defending the tight end position. So, you know, he came back and had about four uh, targets last week. Didn't really do much, but the Cardinals kind of... Uh, cure all the L's teams, uh, tight ends, because, uh, you know, they're horrible. Joku is talented, so I think he's a good pickup. He's not owned very much since he went on IR. So pick up Joku, play him, and uh, with confidence, I think he has a big game. Ian Thomas is on there just because if Greg Olson's concussion, it doesn't look like he's going to be cleared to play. And... That means it's going to be all Ian Thomas. And, I mean, you're against Seattle right now, right? And Seattle's been so bad against the tight ends. Uh, not Tampa Bay, Arizona bad, but... Or Raider bad, I should say, but they're they're top five. And uh, that's just too good of a matchup not to be starting Ian Thomas, I, I believe. So... Uh, Daniel Brown from the Jets. Not excited about that one at all, but Jets are really good about having their tight ends hurt. Ryan Griffin's hurt. Chris Herndon was placed on IR. Uh, Daniel Brown's more of their receiving tight end, so he's the better play than Trevon Wesco, who's a great blocker, not much of a receiver. So and this is if you're really desperate. You might want to pick up Daniel Brown. And I know on this one, no one's going to listen to me. And then I'll be honest, I wouldn't probably listen to me on this one. There's a lot of good options, but uh, if you're really missing Ryan Griffin and need his replacement, uh, Daniel Brown's the definitely the way to go. So you need to be picking him up. Moving on to this breaking news segment. And I can't remember breaking news being this crazy. I mean, there's just so much to talk about, and which is great. Uh, I could be here actually all day talking about this stuff. But uh, the, the first thing is, let's talk about the injuries because it definitely affected who you pick up. It's playoff time, and a lot of these guys were instrumental in getting you to the playoffs, and now they're out. So first thing I want to talk about is Mike Evans going to IR. He, uh, yeah, it's, that's not good for the Buccaneers. That basically leaves you Chris Godwin and little else. Um, but again, I think that open, opens up options for Justin Watson and Brashad, or Brashad Perryman, uh, as well as Scotty Miller. I think Scotty Miller is, uh, he's getting back this week, but definitely the two to go with is Perryman and uh, Watson. And you're hoping, you know, 
Godwin was able to produce with Evans on the other side. I think he still can produce. Uh, he's still going to be uh, the, the the main guy, and I think you can start him with confidence, not worrying about if that's going to take away from, uh, you know, give him too much attention where he's not going to be as productive. Uh, Kevin Ridley went to IR. Tough loss for the Falcons. You know, they're, they're pretty much out of the playoffs, so... Uh, it was a move that uh, he probably just had a multi-week injury, so they decided to shut him down. It, it opens the door for, you know, we talked about Christian Blake and Alamide, uh, Zacchaeus, and those guys. Um, but, you know, Hugo Jones is coming back, so that definitely helps. You know, he, he played last week. Austin Hooper came back. Russell Gage is there. So... There's options for the Falcons, and, uh, you know, you, you hate to lose Calvin Ridley for the playoffs. I think that's the big bummer about this. Um, but, yeah, he, you know, he wasn't going to play, and so, uh, you know, next man up, as the Mike Tomlin likes to say. Marvin Jones went to IR. That's a tough break. Uh, again, it's just really Kenny Galladay and, you're hoping Danny Amendola can step up a little bit from that slot position, especially with Hawkinson being out as well. I think that opens up a lot of targets for Danny Amendola. So he's someone to definitely look at. Uh, Paris Campbell went to IR. Auden Tay went to IR. These are lesser receivers, uh, very fringe roster people, if you even had them on your roster at all. Um, you know, doesn't change a whole lot in regards to, uh, you know, there's no one you need to jump on the waiver wire or stream to, to go pick up because they're out. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, he might be out, well, probably is out for the year. Uh, Eagles have absolutely no weapons anymore. They went from having too many to really not having much. You know, they have, uh, they have Ertz and Goddard, and that's the extent of it. I mean, Miles Sanders sprinkled in a little bit. But, yeah, this is a real depleted uh, offense, and I think that has been contributing to their really bad season so far is they just haven't had any, any consistency. It's like, you know, every week multiple players are out, and they're having to adjust. Darius Geis to IR, that's a big blow for the Redskins. He's a great player. It's even a bigger blow for Darius Geis because this is a second injury. Uh, this year, you know, he's hurt all of last year. Darius Geis is really looking like a guy that can't be trusted. Um, fantasy football-wise, um, you can definitely trust him as a person, I'm sure. Um, he just has really hurt a lot, and his injuries seem to be significant. So uh, we'll talk about him probably a lot coming into next season. But I think this really opens the door for Chris Thompson to uh, spell Adrian Peterson and get those uh, receiving targets. And then Greg Olson is practicing. I think that's news just because he had that concussion. So if he's out, you, you really want to look at Ian Thomas. But if he's practicing any plays, that really, uh, you know, you don't want to be playing Ian Thomas at all. So, uh Definitely that's something to monitor going into, uh, you know, week 15. And here's some of the crazier news. Uh, news is uh, 
crazier news that has been happening. And uh, a lot of it kind of correlates around the Patriots. And I know that's not surprising because the Patriots are cheaters. And now we know that um, even more so. We didn't need much more uh, proof that they were cheaters, but we got it. And here's some crazy things uh, around that is the Chiefs equipment snafu. So the Chiefs flew into Boston. It was cold. They didn't want to take their equipment. So they didn't take their equipment, but then the plane flew to Michigan. So the planes in Michigan, they realize that they need the equipment. They don't have it. They're going to have to forfeit the game if they can't get the equipment in time. They hurry up you know, contact the plane, say, get over here, we need your, we need our equipment that's on the plane. So the plane takes off, going to, towards Boston. In the meantime, the Chiefs are making uh, a deal with a high school team, uh, the Mass, Mass Konamit Regional High School, and, and the reason for that is they have similar helmets. I guess they wear red and have the arrowhead uh, on their helmet as well. It's just an M instead of a KC. So they were getting ready to wear high school uniforms to play this game when luckily the plane was able to get there an hour before the uh, game started. And that's just insanity to me. I couldn't imagine Patrick Mahomes uh, rolling out there in 15-year-old Dylan uh, Wachowski's uniform and helmet trying to play NFL football like I don't even know if those helmets would hold up in NFL football but uh it would have been really entertaining to see and I actually am disappointed the plane made it because how fun would that have been to see them wearing high school uniforms it would have been like trying to wear your old high school pants where they're like you know eight sizes too small and uh all these NFL players trying to squeeze into high school equipment uh, would have been pretty uh, uh pretty entertaining um, outside of that we have we'll we'll stick on the uh theme of uh, a former patriot antonio brown uh you know he had this big apology that was like two paragraphs everyone knew it wasn't him mostly because the grammar and punctuation on it was immaculate that was definitely like you know the uh, public relations department of uh, of the agent trying to uh, make Antonio Brown feel remorse. And I think the big thing with Antonio Brown is he never feels remorse. I mean, never. So it's like a big cycle where, oh, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. Take me back. And then they don't take him back, and he's like, well, screw you, I don't like you, and so now he's calling the NFL racist, and he called Big Ben a loser, and it's just, you know, two weeks from now, he's going to come out with another apology that was from his agent, and it's just a big, vicious cycle that's going on and on, and the big thing is, he's just, he likes attention, and Drew Rosenhaus is enabling him to uh, to act this way, and it's it's hurting his chances of getting back in the NFL. And 
I know if I was an NFL team, uh, you, you can take a lot of distractions in the NFL, but I don't see a team being able to take Antonio Brown-type distractions. And the, the, the sad thing is, is the guy needs help because the longer he's out, the more distractions he's causing and the more like, outlandish tweets and Instagram posts and everything else that he's doing. It's just really hurting his cause. And you've never seen someone hurt their cause worse than Antonio Brown. It's like watching someone light themselves on fire. You don't want to see it, but you watch it, and you're horrified at it. You know, like, this person's being self-destructive, and, and like, everyone can't, can't look away from it. So I'm sure we'll probably be talking about it again soon because it's Antonio Brown, and he can't stay quiet very long. Now to the juiciest story, the Patriots taping the Bengals. And I'm going to start calling the New England Patriots the New England Tapriots because they already uh, got caught taping the Jets back when they were bad. And, you know, so the, the argument of, well, why would they tape the Bengals? They're horrible. Well, they did that to the Jets, and the Jets were horrible. And... You know, like, oh, they're just doing that to... Uh, the NFL's trying to cover up the fact that they blew calls from the refs and cost New England the game. And, uh, again, that's not a big thing. Uh, a lot of teams have been, you know, kind of... Head games uh, stolen away from them by the refs and the bad officiating. And the NFL didn't make some outlandish, uh, you know, story up about them... Uh, uh, cheating and spying and the Patriots have a history of it I think that's the issue is there's already a history on it so you know if I'm the Patriots I'm staying as far away as I can from taping and video recording things because more than likely people are watching me uh, especially after I got already busted for it and then here it is again they have the tape there's eight minutes of them recording the sidelines and hand signals of the Bengals and I'm Sure, they're going to get punished by the NFL. It's not going to be immediate. It's going to be off-season or next year even. But it's just uh, boggles my mind that they, for one, keep doing it. Everyone knows they're doing it. And they keep getting caught doing it. And they keep doing it. Um, I don't think it's as uh, bad as way back in the day when uh, they were calling out people's plays and signals, uh, especially, like I said, the Jets, the, the Steelers' AFC Championship game. A little bit bitter about that. Uh, the, the first Super Bowl they won, it, it's like they went through that whole postseason knowing everybody's plays. But, um, and I'm not diminishing the, the Patriots or their dynasty by saying that. I just, uh, you know, it's just crazy that it's, reared its ugly head again and uh, the Patriots are the Patriots and it's why the NFL and everybody hates them I think so that's it for the news the, again like I said there was a lot there's actually a lot more we could have talked about but uh, I'm wrapping it up a little bit uh, for time reasons but uh, we'll uh we, we definitely have, you know, the Thursday night game coming up. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about that Thursday night game really quick. 
Baltimore was favored by 14 and a half points. Just insane. It was against the Jets, and Baltimore was at home. And I probably would have taken the Jets, you know, like my rule of thumb, you give me, you know, two touchdowns in the NFL, I'm going to take it. But I would have been wrong because the uh, Baltimore beat the Jets 42-21. to And Lamar Jackson was just, man, he is the MVP of the league. It is just insanity how good he is. Five touchdown passes, you know, used his legs, was leading rusher. I I just there, I, there's no words to describe how good Lamar Jackson is, and totally own this game. Outside of that, there's not really much to talk about. I mean, Ingram caught a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, uh, about seventy six yards rushing, I believe, somewhere around there. Um, it's just, yeah, I, you know, and the Jets are looking like they're imploding. You know, Adam Gase is not a good coach he didn't do anything in Miami and now with the Jets you know you saw the sideline tantrum with Darnold and and Gase and I I don't think the team believes in the system anymore and you know uh, and why would you with uh, you know how bad that the the Jets look right now Um, Jamison Crowder had a great game he had two touchdown catches 90 yards Outside of Crowder, that was really it. There wasn't a lot to talk about on the Jet side of the ball. I mean, Robbie Anderson got a two-point conversion, which helped his day a little bit. But, I mean, that that gave him like eight points, fantasy football points. So, um, yeah, if you're a Lamar Jackson owner, I would say that probably most championship teams in fantasy football this year is, is going to have Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. He's just on another level right now, and uh, yeah, how how can you, especially in fantasy football, how can you uh, beat someone that's getting 50 points like Lamar Jackson got uh, just uh, tonight? It's it's just pretty unbelievable. That will do it for our show today. We appreciate you listening to the Burke and Miz the Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at MizTheWizMontalban or email me at MizMontalban at gmail.com. That's M-O-N-T-A-L-B-A-N. We'll be back at it again on Saturday where you can listen to all our starts and sits that you'll need for your playoff season. Uh, Week 15 will be here before you know it and should be exciting Sunday. And hopefully... uh, It'll be uh, an exciting thing where you'll be back in the championship the very next week. And we'll be here uh, along for the ride as we'll give you advice for the uh, the, the championship next week. So hang tight, and uh, we appreciate you listening.